Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WrestleCast review of Raw. I'm Josie. I'm Joe. And together, our tag team brings you the updates on what happened on this week's episode of Raw. So, what do we think about Seth Rollins coming out and starting the show off, Joe? I love Seth Rollins as a heel. I absolutely love it. And I love this whole biblical-esque Monday Night Messiah thing. I think it's great. He's got the, the terminology and the language down. The VT that he ran of Ray was quite good. I liked that, that it went just to a repeat of him attacking his eye last week, which I thought was quite cool. I really want to see them as more of a unit, though. At the moment, they're all in independent gear, all wearing their own T-shirts. They don't have a name. I'd really like to see them run as more of a unit, but WWE are so anti-faction, you know, because, oh, he doesn't sell as many T-shirts, but... It, it does if it's good. Like I, re- I wish they'd move as a unit and not just Seth and two, two randoms kind of thing. Because that's uh, as a viewer, it just kind of looks like that. It looks, and no disrespect to indies at all, but it looks like a bit indie-ish. You know, it's like oh, these three are together, and it's like, come on, you're WWE. You can brand them and package them better than this. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. But the promo was okay. It wasn't, you know, didn't bowl me over, but it set up the rivalry further which was good and i'm sure we'll probably get a match between the two of them probably at backlash so yeah it was okay it wasn't great it wasn't awful it was okay and that's the running theme of the show (laughs) So, so yeah let's start as we mean to go on i'd say ron's heel gimmick is somewhat starting to grow on me because in the beginning I didn't see the point of it. I'm like, oh, God, okay, here's another role in the team run. What am I supposed to expect from this? But I'd say it's slowly, very slowly growing on me. And him coming out with Murphy and Austin Theory, like you said, should be more of a faction type of thing. Because if they're coming mm-hmm. out with him, it just looks like they're both henchmen for him. And they're currently called the Disciples. So I don't get the entire set of it. If you're going to put it up together, it should just be a good faction or yeah. just give him something to go off of. Yeah, like something like the Brotherhood, the Trinity, something kind of biblically would be great. You know, it adds a bit of atmosphere, gives them a bit of weight and it really defines them more as a faction. You know, you could see, okay, well, maybe Murphy and, and Theory go into the tag mix, you know, but... Otherwise, yeah, they're just kind of like random henchmen, aren't they? And I don't think it sells as well. That kind of led into the opening match between Rollins and Alistair Black, which was all right, you know, and I thought it was really good storytelling. I genuinely didn't know where it was going to go. So it was a piece of wrestling to kick off the show. I was excited. I was really impressed by Alistair Black's moonsault off the ropes. I thought that was insane. And then I kind of liked how Umberto came out to even up the scores a bit. It still seems a bit random. Again, I get it. Oh, I'm, you know, Rey Mysterio is my favorite. He's my idol. Yeah, okay. But it just seems a little bit forced. Like, Alistair Black and Humberto couldn't be from more different backgrounds, could they? So it just doesn't gel quite yet. But I'm not going to throw it in the trash either. You know, it could develop into something, something half decent. So we'll see. I'm not going to throw that one under the bus just yet. I thought the end was a bit meh, you know, like, fine, Alistair gets the win, but then they get beaten up. Fine, I guess. But I don't know. I just didn't think Rollins should be losing to Alistair Black. What do you think? Well, I'd say the match had good chemistry because you have Alistair who's trained in striking and grappling. And then you have Rollins with all these flashing moves and as a high flyer. So I think that gelled pretty well for me because I got to see two parts of two different people who've trained in different ways. So that was a good way to look at the match. But it's become a bit too cliche having your two henchmen outside the ring knowing that they're going to cause a distraction somehow at some point. So Humberto coming out with a chair to help Rollins, uh, to help, not Rollins, but Alistair. I'd say is okay, but I mean, there, you obviously know that you're outnumbered if there's an attack. So how are you going to pull that out? 
he's the baby face, right? He wears his heart on his sleeve. He comes out, even though he knows he might get into trouble. That's kind of the point. I don't mind that. And I think Humberto is a good baby face. And he came with a chair, to be fair. I mean, I, I don't know. Who would you rather have? Buddy Murphy or Austin Theory or a steel chair? That's a, that's a separate podcast, I reckon. So, yeah, I didn't dislike that that much. But, yeah, it just felt a bit forced. It, it still got a bit of time to develop, I think, with that one. But my thought was that if he's coming out with a chair, someone's going to get hit. Because eventually they went on to get attacked after Alistair won the match. But I would have felt much better and been more entertained had Humberto actually used the chair on someone who's trying to distract Alistair from winning the match while he went for the pin. But again, it would be interesting to see where this one goes, being that Alistair was said to be fighting for his mentor, Mysterio. So I don't know how that works, but... (laughs) (laughs) Alistair Black is like the least luchador wrestler ever, but he's fighting for Rey Mysterio. Great. (laughs) Okay, WWE, whatever you say. You You make it, I'll buy it. So right after Alistair and Rollins' match came one of my favorite parts of the show. The little love saga between Angel Garza and Charlie Caruso with Zelina obviously being the bitter bystander. So as Garza cut his promo saying that his triumphant victory over Kevin Owens was not a bad win because if it was considered a bad win, then whoever does that doesn't think that they should be working hard enough to achieve what they want. Well, as soon as he said that, he pulled out a rose to say thank you to Charlie, which Zelina obviously was bitter about, and decided to rip the rose and throw it all over Caruso. So, broken heart syndrome here, Joe? Yeah, it looks like it. It's cool that they can actually do that angle. Obviously, everybody knows Andrade and Charlotte are together, so they could never really do that romantic angle with him and Selena, which was good because it made it a more diverse angle, made it more business-based, and I think it was a bit more of a modern take on the relationship between a manager, a female manager and a wrestler. So I think it was good, but this has just kind of come naturally. And I, yeah, I like the idea of getting Charlie Caruso involved. It's fun, it's light, it adds a different dynamic. Why not? And Garza's clearly got that persona of being a bit of a lazy man anyway. And the fact that someone has kind of power-hungry and domineering as Selena Vega isn't able to kind of have that allure over Gaza. It's, it's entertaining to see her reaction to it. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was short. It was sweet. It was all that was needed. They got creative with it. Great. What was entertaining for me to think about was that not too long ago, Angel Garza proposed to his girlfriend on NXT in front of the entire crowd. That's true. What's going on here? That's, that's my point. But, you know, storylines, storylines, personal mm. life. Well, know. that's it. Kayfabe's only used when it's convenient, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so that kind of took us on to Shawn Michaels' promo for the best wrestling match ever. That was certainly something else. I mean, talk about setting yourself up for an unescapable fail. Like, they're doomed if they do and they're doomed if they don't. Like, how do, you, how do you market the best wrestling match ever? Go. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. Because this has come to the point that where if WWE don't make this the best match ever in wrestling... Which it's not going to be. There's no way it's going to be. Because it's like a, it's like a movie. If I say, oh, watch this film, it's amazing. Best film I've ever seen. You're going to go into it thinking, oh, yeah, here we go. This is going to be amazing. And it's never going to live up to your expectations. So even if they do produce a great match, you're still not going to think it's the best match ever. Even if they did produce the best match ever, you've been told it's going to be the best match ever. You're always going to expect something else. There's no way that they can fulfill that brief. So I I don't know what happened. I don't know if all the execs wanted to go for lunch and someone said, why don't we just call it the best wrestling match ever? or they just ran out of words entirely. They've used every other word in the English vocabulary to promote matches, and they thought, oh, the only four we're left with is best wrestling match ever. I don't know. I just think it's awful. I think it's really lame. And I hate the whole 
I hate the idea that the music from The Greatest Showman is being used as the music to promote backlash. Honest talk about like a, a paradox, you know. Anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say that if this doesn't live up to the expectations, I'm pretty much going to lose more faith in WWE. And I mean, you have Edge come back and fight his former tag team partner. You need it to be amazing. Because the best you, wrestling match ever. That's what you need. Yeah, but how are they going to put that <laughs> on? Because you have, you've had a guy who's come back from life-threatening neck injury to fight Orton. And then at the end of the day, all we know is uh, Spear, RKO out of nowhere, one, two, three, boom. One of them wins. There's no way that in the next 10 years or so, I'm going to go back to this. And I know this hasn't happened yet, but the way WWE is advertising it, like they have many matches before, which were set to be amazing, pinnacle of a century. No. And I don't believe this one is going to be it either. It may be great. Of course not. It may be great. It may be all right. It may, you may be a fan and be like, oh, no, it has Edge. Oh, no, it has Orton. We've been watching them for years. We love everything they do. So unless you're a fan like that, if you're like a proper person who focuses on the little aspects of each match, I'm going to say this is not going to work out as the great best wrestling match ever. So unless Vince had a fairy come into his mind and say, advertise this as the best wrestling match ever, whoever advertised this as the best wrestling match ever needs to get fired. <laughs> wow, strong words. Yeah, I think we've said all we can about that one. I mean, you're setting yourself up for a fail when you say that this is the best of anything, right? We'll see why it would be on a backlash card if it was the best wrestling match ever and not a WrestleMania card, for example. I have no idea. But like I say, we'll see. And if it is the best wrestling match ever, great. If it isn't, which it's not going to be, then we'll move on to the next pay-per-view. So this led us on to a segment between MVP and Lana. It was very short, just a bit of a hissy fit from Lana um, saying, MVP, you're only hanging around with him because you're at the end of your career and you're all washed up. And MVP says, well, that makes two of us. It was very short, 30 seconds tops. I love MVP. I love this partnership with him and Lashley. It kind of gives Lana something to do. It built the story for the rest of the night. Nothing to say about it, really. It was what it was. It complemented the story. No thumbs up, no thumbs down. Just, yeah, just decent storytelling to build the show. The one I loved about this segment was the uh, that MVP actually just went up into Lana's face and was like, hey, I have actual work to do unlike you. Because to be honest, Lana hasn't really been on TV. She hasn't really done much since splitting up with Rusev as his manager. So, I mean, to see Lana on there do something after a while was all right, not too bad, I guess. But, I mean, it's hard to think about what to look at her as. Do we look at her as former manager of Rusev? Do we look at her as current wife of Lashley? I think it's an interesting dynamic to see her having her her nose out of joint. She's used to being the manager and putting people into successful positions like Rusev and like Lashley for a time. So to see her displaced, that's quite entertaining. But again, it's just a small flavour in a bigger dish, really, isn't it? The whole title picture with Lashley being elevated to it by MVP kind of changes the flavour of the scene. And Lana's still kind of there, you know, she's the... She's the piece that you kind of eat a little bit of and then go back to, but it's more of a garnish, you know? It just fills up the plate. It's nice that it's there. It adds a dynamic, but it's not the main reason I'm watching it. And it's all right. It's okay. Like I said, there's not really a lot I want to say about it. It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. It was okay. And that kind of moves us on to the next part where Apollo was interviewed ahead of his match for the US title, his first US title defense oh again like i i've said this before like please get a personality please get a gimmick soon we got told that he was the new u.s champion three times in the space of this gimmick and i, I know because i watched it i watched him win it <laughs> like i don't need to be told again and like if that's your gimmick if being the new u.s champion is your gimmick then you're not going to be the u.s champion for very long because you've got to keep giving me something you've got to keep Give me something to get excited about. And the fact that you are the new US champion, I get it seems like a big deal for you. And I don't mean this to Apollo Crews personally, because like he's 
an awesome guy, he's an amazing athlete, but as a character watched, I'm watching the show, like, I get that to Apollo Crews it means the world to him, but it means a damn sight more to him than it does to me. Give me a reason to want to care about it. You know, give me a bit of attitude. As you know, um, Kevin Owens ended up coming down, and he said something like, oh, it means your first defense is going to be your last or something, a bit of shame. But he's still a baby face. You know, Kevin Owens is still a good guy. I'm still rooting for Kevin Owens. You can still be a bit mean and a bit feisty and, you know, get the claws out and be a good guy. That's fine. So I'm just praying that he does do. Otherwise, I fear that it won't be a very long title reign. What are your thoughts? I mean, I was confused during this at certain points because you have Apollo Crews who's, like you said, never really had much of the gimmick to portray to the audience, but I expected a very tough contest when it came to the match between KO and Cruz, but it kind of went off because KO came out and said that he thinks that it's all out of pity having the match, but Apollo assured him that, no, okay, it's just because you deserve it. And then suddenly moving on to, hell yeah, I deserve it because I've worked my blood, sweat, and tears for the last five years. I mean, you're saying it's out of pity, and then all of a sudden you move into this little area where you say, hell yeah, I deserve this. So I was kind of confused there, but that kind of led on to the match, which was entertaining to start off with because both of them showed off their athleticism a lot throughout the match. And for two guys their size, they move like a feather. So it was pretty amazing to watch that. But this little part that in the match where... KO supposedly gave Cruz a low blow. I was confused at that point. Another point. Yeah, like, sorry just to jump on there. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't get what that was all about. Afterwards, like, he was like, oh, now it's personal. I'm like, what? Like, what has this got to do with anything? It didn't really build anything because moments later, it cascaded into being a, a random tag team match. Yeah, what was that all about? I have no clue because... Here I am sitting down watching them have a normal match, a good match. I was entertained by the start of it. And then suddenly you have Cruz acting like he's been hit with a low blow and then ends up playing possum to attack Owens with a right. I'm like, what's going on there? Is he a face? Is he a heel? Is he in between? Where is this going? So I was confused at that part. And then the final point of confusion, why make this a tag match? Let him finish their match. Let it be a normal result. And then have Garza and Andrade attack them after the match. So it turns into a tag match the following week. I don't need to watch a match within the match. Why do you do that? Right. Honestly, this is where my head was in my hands. And I was just thinking, oh, no, stop. Make it stop. I want to get off. Yeah, I I don't see the point. I don't see why they're trying to force Kevin Owens into this seen anyway it's clear that Andrade's done with the US title so if he wants to feud and maybe have one rematch fine but now this this kind of interwoven rivalry where they're both feuding with Andrade and Gaza but there's no real reason for them to team especially when he's just supposedly low blowed him or whatever it just didn't really quite add up I get where they were going with it oh we've got two friends and they've both got singular rivalries, so let's pitch their rivals together as a tag team. We'll have a tag team match. But like you say, why, why not next week? If they're going to go down that, oh, let's have a respectful title match, then have a respectful title match, and then maybe you know a handshake at the end or something, and then they come out and Selena can be on the mic, mouthing off, because she does that so well, and the guys can attack, or just a sneak attack from behind. If anyone's going to give someone a low blow, it's going to be the heels that come out, not Kevin Owens. It didn't really make any sense. This was WWE moving too quickly, trying to ram stuff down our throat. And a little bit of laziness. I absolutely despise it when it's a singles match and then it gets turned into a tag match. It happens all the time and it's the worst. It's so annoying. Like you say, I'd rather one chunk, one segment, one chapter come to an end and start another one. Not write half a chapter and then plonk a brand new chapter on top of it. I just, no, for me, it was very messy. 
Very, very messy. Although there were some good spots in the match. Andrade and Owens had some really good chemistry. I, th- I think that could be a great rivalry. Andrade and Owens, they had some great chemistry in the ring. And Apollo actually pinned Andrade, kind of cementing his reign, really, saying, you know, I've pinned you twice now. The belt's definitely mine. There's no dispute. And I really liked his finisher, by the way. It's good to see a big guy with a big guy finisher. It doesn't happen all the time these days. So I quite like that. I agree with you on the spots and the little chemistry between KO and Andrade, but I thought KO wasn't really shown much in this match. He was just kind of sidelined. I get that they're trying to show that he was attacked by Garza last week and then had his knee taken out. But if you're having him compete in single competition for a title match and then in a tag match, you might as well show him off properly. Not have him stuck to the apron while Garza attacks his knee again and causes a distraction. Because that little distraction at the end really pulled off my concentration from the match. But again, the powerbomb was a good one to take down Andrade. And I felt... Overall, it was an alright match, not not the heavenly matches that we were looking for, but enough to keep us... Okay, that, yeah, that was a good one. I, I like that one. And that led us on to an interview with Oscar, which was very short, it's quite sweet. But again, she oozed personality, she did a dance, she did a thing. It was fine for me, not much to say about it. I love Oscar. I absolutely love her. I think she's bringing something new to the table. She's diversified her character to the point that she's, you know, she's wearing the belt for Raw. Obviously means she's doing something right in the eyes of the company. And this furthered the storyline for her match with Charlotte later on. Yeah, sure, definitely. I mean, Asuka is one of those people who's getting back to climbing the ladder, making it back to the top. And I really like that about her, and especially her little Japanese kicks in there. About time as well. About time. But it's amazing because I say about time, but really she's only ever come across strong. It's just because she had that crazy winning streak. I mean, when she eventually won the SmackDown Women's title, she had a reign there. And then not long after she lost that, she became tag team champ. So really, she's had a great career. But for me, Asuka has always been someone that should be at the top of the mountain with Charlotte Flair. She's quite indestructible, you know. If she loses, it's like a, oh my gosh, kind of thing. And to be fair, they protected that really well when she was tag team champion. Like, if ever they lost or anything, it was always Kyrie that got pinned when they were a tag team, which I thought was really good and well thought through. So, thumbs up for that. And I was so excited for the Oscar Charlotte match. I'm really, really geared up. I felt the interview helped put a bit of fuel on the fire. Um, yeah, so it made me ready to go. But what came after that little <laughs> <laughs> that little promo? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, honestly, when they when they when this popped up on my screen, I said to myself, "Please stop with this. It's it's enough. I'm done with this." The Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders in bowling. Right. It felt very, very forced. I just don't think they have the chemistry that maybe they think they do. And I don't think comedically the punchlines and payoffs are as funny as they think they are. I mean, how many shots of gutter balls and strikes did we need to see for a start? I get it. You're bowling. Fine. And pulling a turkey leg out of the ball machine. What is it with the whole turkey leg thing? There's nothing particularly Viking about turkey legs. I don't know. Did, did Vince McMahon see Thor eat a turkey leg once? You know, <laughs> yes. You know, that's what I'm talking about. I have no idea. So if anyone can help me with that, please, in the comments below, enlighten me. I just thought it was very false. The spot in the kitchen was really lame as well, where they got into trouble for trying to steal more turkey legs. Like, who are they trying to put over here? The tag teams or turkey legs? How did they find out there were turkey legs in the fridge? That's my question. Unless Why are there grown men dressed as Vikings in the WWE in 2020? 40 years ago in the 80s, fine. 2020, not fine. Next. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the only thing turkey legs can bring to this is that they taste good. For sure, but I'm, watch- I'm watching television. I'm not watching tele-taste, you know? I'm watching this. I'm hearing this. I'm not eating it, yeah? If I, if I wanted turkey legs, I'd order turkey legs. I don't need to see a built-up 
hairy guy dressed as a Viking eating one out of a bowling ball gutter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I sound really bitter about it, but I'm really anti-turkey leg. <laughs> I mean, if I wanted turkey legs, yeah. I'd just go to Disneyland and buy some. But Exactly. I just feel like the whole thing has run its course. Like There were some entertaining parts of that when lockdown was a bigger thing and they weren't necessarily able to be in the arena and it offered them a chance to get creative, but perhaps they're overdoing it now. If they are going to go head-to-head, I'd rather it be in the, in the ring. Yeah, for sure. Because for me personally, the Vikings are big, scary group of tag team. And I want to see them in the ring, show their skills off. I don't want to see them playing mini golf. I don't want to see them playing bowling. And what's up with the entire, I'm losing the game match, so let's pop the smoke and then win the match eventually. Right, honestly, the next time I go bowling, I'm taking a smoke machine with me because that evidently is the key to skill. Maybe as a child, you might find it good. You know, it's a bit like when the Power Rangers get a Megazord, you know, all of a sudden they're in... No, when the Power Rangers morph, they're indestructible. You know, they're fighting the monster as themselves and it's just not enough. And then when they're wearing spandex, wow, they're so strong. (laughs) So maybe, maybe it's enhanced their bowling abilities. I love how anti fun viking raider you are it's so funny but i quite like the idea of these guys that take themselves seriously as vikings actually doing something light-hearted and fun even though i've just slated it but i like the idea of it it could work and in the past it has worked i love how you're just like no no they're vikings god damn it they're vikings (laughs) vikings don't bowl hey i mean if i ever see a viking at a bowling center i'll I'll give you a call (laughs) How does that work? I mean, we need Viking Raiders in the ring to fight. As much as I'd like these entertaining segments to be fun, they're not as fun as I expected. For the listeners, if you ever need to win a bowling match, take a little disco ball and some smoke machine and have some Street Profit music on and you'll win the match. I don't go bowling without them, personally. leave leave your shoes at home leave your bowling ball at home just take the props that led us on to Nikki Cross versus Billy Kay from the Iconics and of course the action spilled out into the ring as the entrance music hit there was an attack backstage and it eventually spilled down to the ring where things settled down and Billy Kay and Nikki Cross went head to head what did you think of this one? it could have been better I enjoyed it. It could have been better because you've built up Nikki K for so many... Uh, Nikki K, what am I saying? Nikki K, wow. <laughs> you built up Nikki Cross. My names are going all over the place. You built <laughs> up Nikki Cross for so many weeks, but then you suddenly have Billy K, who hasn't been on TV for a while, kind of get the dominating edge over her. And then it kind of buries Nikki, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised at how clearly Kay won by. I wasn't expecting that. I thought if Kay's going to win, it would be through a sneaky, iconic-esque distraction. I was not expecting her to win so cleanly. And I didn't really enjoy the mix of styles, to be honest. I didn't think it really gelled. The chemistry wasn't there. It was a bit clunky in places. So, yeah, I wasn't overly fond of it. Last week, they had quite a good altercation. When I've seen them exchange as a tag team, it's been entertaining. This week, they were both maybe just off form. Maybe they were having a bit of a blip. Let's hope it's just a a stumbling block in the road. And next week, they'll get back to the way things have been and and should be in the way that we both know that they can do. Yeah, definitely. But I feel that if Nikki Cross went up against Peyton Royce and Billy Kay went up against Alexa Bliss, it would have been a much better match for the two of the tag teams because I feel like there's better chemistry between the two matches I just mentioned. You have Alexa, who's not as big as the Iconics. She's proven to have had amazing matches, and I like that. Because she also puts that little sassy edge on each match, and it gives yeah. out better entertainment for the match. Peyton Royce is just straight up entertaining when it comes to sassy or being overly gnarly. So, and Nikki Cross is being the crazy little act she has going on. 
I would like to see Crazy versus Gnarly and Sassy. That would have been a good match. I, I think we probably will. I think we're going to go through the mill where they all kind of face off against everybody. Next week, I wouldn't be surprised. It will be Alexa versus Peyton. It's pretty much written in the stars, isn't it? And then there'll be a match at Backlash. I will eat my hat if that's not where this is going. <laughs> Let's hope you don't have to eat that. Yeah, it doesn't taste good. <laughs> Well, that kind of moved us on towards Drew McIntyre's little interview backstage. He was asked about what he thinks about this little rivalry with Bobby Lashley, if he's prepared for that. And he said that he's ready for any challenge that comes up to him. And he openly said that I'm keeping this out into the open. If anyone wants to challenge me, if anyone wants to come after me, I am going to lay them down with a claymore. I really want to like Drew. I, I really want to like him. I supported his WrestleMania campaign, but it's just too much of a nice guy. I know he's just said that he'll take off anybody, but I mean, lay into Bobby Lashley. He's coming after you. Lay into him. Say something nasty. Say something mean. Be a bit more vicious, you know? Get the claws in a bit. That's just such a generic thing to say. I'll take anybody on. I'm a fighting champion, you know? Okay, great. But at the moment, you're in a rivalry with Bobby Lashley, you're probably going to face him at Backlash for the title. Let's just focus on one competitor at a time. It didn't do a lot for me. He's a really cool and collected customer, you know, on the mic. And I just wish there was a bit more swagger about him, perhaps a bit more persona, a bit more character on the mic. He often uses quite casual, colloquial conversation on the mic as well. I find that sometimes his promos aren't quite as polished. And don't get me wrong, Overly produced promos and, you know, guys that are just happy to say the lines that they've remembered can seem really false. So there has to be that right balance. But I think Drew a bit is on the other side. It's a bit too casual for me anyway. It might be different. If you disagree with me, please comment and tell me why I'm wrong because I'd, uh, I'm genuinely interested to have that discussion. But for me, it's just not quite doing it yet on the mic. No, I'd say, I'd say Drew needs a little more time on the mic or... Just the manager, I'd say, like, you have Heyman for Lesnar and you have MVP for Lashley. I would say that Drew would be more open to chances or more better if he had a manager or some sort of, you know, aggression when it came to the mic. So, no, I agree with you there. He just needs some time to work on that. But other than that, he's a pretty all-around superstar, and I like him. I like his reign. I like his matches. I like his skills. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of set up the story for later on that evening when Drew went face-to-face with MVP. But before that, um, we got an update on Rey Mysterio after his eye was brutally attacked, courtesy of Seth Rollins and the corner of the Steel Steps. Ouch. I liked this little segment. I, I really did, especially with Dominic being there. It gave you that little flicker of saying that, yeah, he's coming. He's going to make it into a match with either Rollins or one of the other two guys, which would be Murphy or Theory. But having Ray walk off, having Dominic give out that warning to Rollins, saying an eye for an eye, definitely sets up the angle that in, we're going to see Dominic come out against Seth Rollins in the future. And we've seen him in the ring when Mysterio had that little feud with Lesnar. And mm-hmm. I like what he did around then, like showing around, taking the bumps, getting the high-flying moves. I like what he did there. I mean, there's a, there's a huge difference, though, from being able to take a couple of bumps and hit a 619 to being able to wrestle toe-to-toe with Seth Rollins. So that will be interesting. There's all sorts of speculation surrounding Dominic and his future. So it's interesting to think about how much has been kept under wraps, you know. I've not seen any footage of him in indie matches or anything like that. So unless all of his training, if that is what's happening, is going on behind closed doors so that we don't know, then I'm wondering how on earth he would go toe-to-toe with someone like Seth Rollins, who is a vet, really, when it comes to it. But yeah, I liked the this, this sign-off at the end, that eye for an eye thing. It, it fit the whole kind of biblical thing. And that was good. There were a few things, though. I wasn't quite as on board with it as you were. Number one, why is every Ray Mysterio angle about his career and his family? Like, Dominic had, had nothing to do with this. Have you ever seen Mean Girls? When it's yeah. like, she doesn't even go here. 
Like, that's what I felt like with Dominic. He had nothing to do with the Seth Rollins thing. Like, fine with the Brock Lesnar thing, because the family were there, and they pointed him out in the crowd. Yeah, I get that. Okay, but, like, Dominic, get out of here. Let your dad go to work, you know? But I think this is a good angle for him to make his debut. Knowing Mysterio's fans, they're definitely going to have the liking for Dominic having seen him in the past against that in that little storyline with uh, Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and having seen him against Lesnar so this would be a good angle and a good storyline for Dominic to get over with fans for sure I mean if that's what you know if that's what you want to cheer for absolutely fine but for me I feel like Dominic has been the only constant in my life like, he was there when I was a kid watching the whole Eddie thing. He was there against Lesnar. He's here again now. And he's never wrestled a match in his life. He's probably the most wrestled non-wrestler going. Possibly the most privileged WWE child ever to step foot in the ring and not wrestle a match. It's crazy. I also didn't like the damn you Seth Rollins quote. Ray Mysterio said, damn you Seth Rollins. I mean, he was a fish shake away from growing a top hat and a monocle. And being part of the aristocracy, you know. Oh, damn you, Seth Rollins. I thought it was a bit light, considering that Ray actually swore and called somebody something quite rude um, that wasn't very PG a couple of weeks back. And I thought, well, if you're going to do that, then why are you now saying damn you, Seth Rollins? It, it seemed like a step in a, quite an obscure direction. I mean, we are talking about WWE here, so... You never know which way they're going with their storylines, what they're thinking, how they're going to portray it. So, I mean... He referred to Seth as a particular part of the human anatomy, and <laughs> it wasn't very PG. And I thought, right, okay. And then here he is saying, damn you, Seth Rollins. It just seems like somebody's wrapped him on the knuckles, maybe, or he's containing it a bit too much, really. You know, if you're going to speak your mind two weeks ago, why, why are you not really doing it now? Why are you holding back, Ray? especially after he's just almost blinded you on steel steps. But again, I think this is the frustration showing of not being able to get everything you want to say out there, especially when you're at home. If he was physically there, I, I can imagine him, you know, throwing out a few un-PG words and comments, but I think him being so, in a family environment, being around there. Okay, so let's say you come around to my house and gouge my eye out on the corner of my steel steps because we've all got them. <laughs> I would say, damn you, Shozy. That's what I would say. That would be my reaction. I could be blind, but that would be what I would say. Okay. <laughs> uh, good times. You never know. Mysterio might show up next week and... For sure. And you can pick, you can pick holes until there's nothing left, can't you? So... Maybe less being so judgmental from me and more moving on. Where we had a kind of a bit of a shared spot here. It was a bit bizarre. We had the whole Nia Jax promo on Kyrie. It was kind of interrupted by R-Truth and then Kyrie came out. So it was a bit of an obscure thing. So R-Truth met Ron Gronkowski on a lawn and did what he said he was going to do, win the 24-7 title for the however many time. I don't know what this is, where this is going. I mean, our truth I love him. He's entertaining. Watched him for years. Loved him for years. Where does Gronkowski come into this? Gronkowski is one of the most, how do I say this in a nice way? I don't like him. <laughs> Brilliant. Maybe you could try, damn you, Ron Gronkowski. <laughs> But yeah, uh, for those of you who for those of you who didn't see, Joe almost spit the water in his mouth out. So that's okay. true. This podcast was almost an electric shock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Triple H. <laughs> but I mean, coming back to Gronkowski, Gronkowski play football, stay there. I don't see you as the next big thing. R-Truth, I love you. Keep winning 24-7 championship and keep entertaining everyone is all I can say. I thought they were going to retire the belt, to be honest, at Mania. I thought Ron was going to win it, and then that was it. I thought maybe it had run its course, but they've obviously got plans for it. And if you're going to have plans for something as ridiculous as the 24-7 title, 
give it to our truth because you could give um, a truckload of dirt to our truth and he'd turn it into gold. He's that good. So yeah, by all means, put the belt back on him and let's see what happens. When has anything ever run its course in WWE? I don't know. I'm still waiting for Goldust's protege. Do you remember when we had all that type a few years ago about <laughs> Goldust's new protege? It just never happened. Now Goldust is not even at the WWE anymore. I mean, you never know. We might still meet him. There's still yeah. time. I mean, the anonymous Raw general manager or the guy who pulled up the briefcase during Stone Cold's title match back in the day could show up tomorrow. Hey, I did it. You never know. Absolutely. You never know. Never say never in the world of professional wrestling. And speaking of never say never, never get thrown into the steps by Nia Jax. Nia ah. Jax versus Kyrie Sane. Ouch. I hated everything about this. And I hate the H word, but I absolutely despised it. I did not like the promo where she mocked Kyrie. I, I was like, is this 2020? And Nia Jax is mocking somebody who speaks Japanese? I thought, wow. I thought that was horrendous. It was very early 90s, very dated and very unwelcome on my television. And then she called Oscar a charlatan, which means, which basically is an old word for being a faker. What is Oscar faking exactly? I mean, she's got one of the best winning records. If anyone's faking, it's you, Nia Jax, because you present yourself as this monster, but you, you end up on your back every week. So... I didn't really understand that. I have to say, Kyrie looked really good in the match. But then another terrible thing was that throw into the steps. Ouch. Naya has confused me ever since the Survivor Series brawl last year. I mean, back when she broke Becky's nose, okay, it was a mistake. You kind of forgot to pull back. I get that. Or... You did it on purpose. I don't know. But fast it made forward, Becky look great, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Bloody that face. picture of Becky stood at the top of the steps with the blood down her face, you know, that did her a thousand favors. It absolutely did. I swear my favorite pictures and moments. But moving back on to today, how does that happen? I mean, you're supposed to be one of the safest WWE stars when you're competing with someone in the ring. I know you train for this stuff. I know this is what you're taught when you're coming up the ladder, but I mean, for a fan, why would you smack someone face first onto the steel ring steps or the apron? I mean, that kind of looked like an annihilation of Kyrie. Oh, was that, was that a joke? Annihilation. That should be a finisher. That's a great one. That's all. Honestly, I would buy that. Annihilation by Nia Jax, yeah. It also sounds a bit like a perfume, one that I would not wear. <laughs> but yeah, it's difficult to say. I'm not a big fan of, oh, let's blame Nia for everything. The, the, don't get me wrong, the whole segment and the match, uh, I, I did think Kyrie's performance was actually pretty good, but the, match, the whole segment in general was not good. But if you haven't seen, um, there are pictures available online of the injury sustained by Kyrie after being thrown into the steps. Um, that happens in a split second, right? So we cannot sit here and say, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. Naya is twice the size of Kyrie saying, I don't know how much they've worked together. It could have just been a freak thing and very un an unfortunate coincidence, but it made an ugly segment even uglier. That was kind of my conclusion, really. Hopefully going forward, it will be better, but yeah, not great. Perhaps the less said, the better about that, really. Yeah, for sure. But that wound was something else. Here's my prediction. My prediction for Backlash is going to be Kyrie Sane teams with Rey Mysterio to face the Steel Steps. <laughs> <laughs> that would the be steps go over. The steps go over. That would be a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather watch that than Kyrie against Nia Jax again, if I'm honest. Ooh. Ouch. Burn. <laughs> uh, so but let's move forward. What happened next? Tell me. Randy Orton spoke about Asuka versus Charlotte and his greatest match ever with Edge. Mm. He said that, forgive my un-PG language, to half assing it at times in his career which infuriated edge 
because Edge is one of those people who had to scratch and claw all the way from the bottom to where he is today. And despite putting in all the effort, he was only about to get 50% done. And Orton vowed that he would win the match of Backlash. From there, Charlotte Flair came in and cut a promo demanding respect from all the NXT stars who were in the audience, saying that her match with Io and Rhea is going to be a really good one at NXT TakeOver. So she's demanding respect here, saying that, hey, respect me, I'm the best, I've won all the championships, I'm the NXT Women's Champion, all of that. But let's move on to when she attacked Asuka's knee. Attacked it right around the timeout period and jumped on Asuka, trying to take her out. What do you have to say about that? Well, I'm just going to rewind a moment and I'm going to catch up with you. I just wanted to add about the um, Orton promo. I really enjoyed it. I really like the idea that he's like, yeah, I got comfortable and look how much I've done whilst being comfortable. I thought I really added to his persona. And then Charlotte did exactly what we said she should do. So big thumbs up. Um, We've been saying for a while, you know, Charlotte keeps appearing on the other shows as NXT Women's Champion. And now that they've got all the NXT stars out there, somebody should be talking to these guys, you know, and saying, I'm the person you want to be. And finally, Charlotte did it and she did it well. And I think that gave her a lot of heat, which was good. For me, personally, you may or may not disagree, Oscar versus Charlotte is the best women's match of all time. Their initial match at WrestleMania, I'm talking about, not this one on Raw. For me, it's the best women's match of all time. You might disagree with me. If you do, tell me what you think your favorite is in the comments below. But for me, it was my favorite. I enjoyed it the most. I thought it was the best wrestled match in the women's division that I've ever seen. So I was really excited for this matchup, a bit of a WrestleMania rematch. I know they have rematched before, but it's never going to be a bad thing. But it didn't quite end how I thought it was going to. So like you say, some really beautiful storytelling with uh, Charlotte and the leg, working it when she shouldn't, going against the ref's count, that kind of thing. I thought it was really good. There was a beautiful little submission exchange where Oscar kept tying Charlotte up in various arm locks and then Charlotte would power out so it was that whole submission versus power thing which uh, always goes over well and then our favorite our favorite came along oh let me guess it was, it was annihilation it was annihilation time yay Nia Jax came uh, back out and this yes. time this time she wasn't alone she channeled her inner Oscar yay no no she's yay. been to wweshop.com <laughs> but no, I did not like that one. If you're going to mock Oscar, there are a thousand different ways you can do it. Coming out looking like her with the face paint and the mask and all that. It was cliche, very cliche. Charlotte, if she was going to win, there is a better way to give her the win rather than the countout. She's way too big for a countout victory. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a solution where none of the champions have to lose. They want Charlotte to look strong at the moment. Oscar's just won the belt. There's no way she's going to lose in a one-off match against Charlotte. You know, that, that wouldn't do her any good. So I kind of understand it, but I just thought the um, execution was abysmal. Let's compare it to when Ellsworth dressed up as Oscar. Remember back in the day where um, she faced Carmella and Carmella won because Ellsworth dressed up as Oscar. I mean. And that was terrible, but it was more convincing because at least he went the whole hog. But it was literally just Nia Jax in spandex wearing a kabuki mask. <laughs> I was like, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, go the whole mile. But I don't know. She, Nia is not like other girls. So she does <laughs> what she wants, doesn't she? But it was just weak. I thought it was a terrible end to the match. And they'd literally just been on screen together as well at the end of the carry match and stared at one another. And it just seemed very, very rushed. The only thing I, I believe that kept this match from being match of the night for me was yeah. that little finish. If Naya were to have interfered after the match, I'd get it. That would have been a good one to end that little match with. But, I mean, if you're going to have two competitors like Asuka and Flair in the ring, you might as well have 
literally one of the greatest finishes we've seen as we've all as we've seen from them at wrestlemania there were like you said one of the, one of the best matches but i believe that killing that momentum that was built up over the match because naya interfered was a bad move i mean i thought it wasn't great because it didn't make me hate Nia Jax more, you know, because I get the idea that building her up as a heel and she's going to do nasty stuff so that people hate her. It just made me annoyed at the product. A bit like when they spent ages trying to shove Roman Reigns down everyone's throat, you know, and it just wasn't going over. And it was just, it was just annoying, you know. It didn't make me hate Roman Reigns as a wrestler. It just made me annoyed at the product. And the same thing is happening here. Like, you know, she'd had a moment. She'd already busted Kyrie open. It was fine. I didn't need another helping of Nia Jax. So, yeah, like you say, it could have been match of the night. They were stealing the show. It was fantastic wrestling, awesome storytelling. And then the end was, I don't know, a bit just like someone throwing coal on your fries, you know. It's like, well, great, I can't eat these now. <laughs> it was going so well. And now they're all covered in soot. So, yeah. Not not a fan, which really paved way for MVP versus Drew to be the, the lifesaver. And of course, the big surprise here was the entrance. Lana cut a little promo before saying, oh, you know, things are not all as they seem. Then Lashley came out, MVP came out, Drew came out. Then who graces us with her presence? Lana herself. It was, not even it was, why, Lana, why? No. I, I don't want why? <laughs> no, why? Lana. Just why? No. Why did she? Why? I don't understand why she entered, and then just stood with Lashley, and then didn't do anything. You could tell that even Lashley was like, "What? What's going on?" Because why are you making an appearance when you're not scheduled to, or you're not even making a surprising? Come in during between the match or just walk down the ramp without your music playing, cause a distraction, do something. But it's coming down there and staying next to Lashley doesn't really help. I just, I just didn't get the point. I mean, if had her actions had some consequences, you know, had she caused MVP to lose or had she made MVP win or something like that, then it would have had a reason. But she was just there. Um, she made this announcement like, oh, things are not all as they seem. And the only thing that's not as it seemed was that Lana was stood next to Lashley instead of being backstage. And that really isn't very climactic when it comes to closing the show on Monday Night Raw, really. I, I, didn't, I didn't see the point. I mean, the match ended, as you would expect, with Drew Claymoring MVP in face. And then Lashley spilt into the ring. I uh, did a full Nelson on Drew. Again, we've talked about this. I'm not a big fan of the full Nelson thing. It's a bit of a master lock repeat. But I am a fan of submission versus power. You know, as we mentioned with Charlotte and Oscar before, it makes for a nice dynamic for their match, which I'm sure will happen at Backlash. Um, it is happening, is it? Is it scheduled? It is, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is. Sorry, sorry. I, what's that much wrestling? I don't know what's happening where. Yeah, so it kind of makes for a different, a, a nice dynamic for the matchup. But yeah, it was bizarre. It was odd. The whole Lana angle was just a very strange way to end the evening. Yeah, I mean, you have someone who starts off so strong like McIntyre with that Glasgow kiss to MVP, but then you end it with Lashley hitting a full Nelson and just taking him down. I mean, it's a good way to show that Lashley's getting on top of McIntyre, but... Eh. Yeah, I mean, it, it made sense, and it, it's, it's, a, it's the classic angle. Oh, you know, babyface beats the heel's friend close to the pay-per-view. It, it makes sense. Like, MVP was always going to lose that match. I get it. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of the Nelson, like you say. I think there could be something more original. Lashley's massive. Why does he not have a big, powerful finisher? You know, like, you know, Apollo Crews has adopted that powerbomb kind of thing. Batista had the Batista bomb. I'm not saying he has to powerbomb him, but he, he should have something, you know. Bobby Lashley is colossal. He's the almighty Bobby Lashley. Why has he not got an almighty finisher? Why is he just sneaking up on people? and doing a full Nelson. But I think that that's what kills the momentum that's been built over so many weeks for Lashley, after, especially after he's beaten so many people. I'd get it if Lashley wasn't involved in this match directly, but he was. Just give MVP the loss, 
end it there, and then give Lashley a chance to attack McIntyre the following week. Don't have him interfere in the match that's already been lost by an associate. And don't kill that momentum. Because I feel like this is questionable when it comes to booking. Why are you having all this momentum killed on one episode? I mean, I don't know. I'm quite happy for him to sneak in at the end and attack him because that's a very heelish thing to do. It makes sense. And it's nice to see Lashley looking strong because for weeks now, it's always, always Drew who claymores his way out of trouble. And it's got a bit repetitive. It's nice to see Drew looking vulnerable so that we think, oh, well, maybe Lashley could win at Backlash. Maybe it could be Back Lashley. <laughs> You're going oh to God, make the people stop. click off, Joe. You're going to make them click off. We're trying to attract listeners, not turn them away. <laughs> but again, it is what it is. I'm happy with the role McIntyre's on. I just hope to see a lot more from Lashley before Backlash and hope that this works out well for the both of them. It was really hard for you not to say Backlashley then, wasn't it? So hard. <laughs> I love the dynamic between MVP and Lashley as well, though. I think it works really well. MVP has got the attitude and the character to really bolster Lashley's status. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think it works well. They look good together. They work well together. In terms of their styles, they both have a little bit of something. Some of it overlaps. Some of it's unique. So again, I think they fit together well. The whole Lana thing it didn't work in this match at all. But like I said earlier, it was a nice... Nice side garnish to add to the dynamics, to have that little internal dispute. It makes things a bit more flavoursome. This kind of leads me on to asking you what your moment of the night was, maybe match of the night. I'd say Charlotte versus Asuka. What, any particular reason? Just because of that little, that little time in between where they were both showing off their submission skills, that little show of technique, of skill. I like that little part of the match. I think that's been arguably one of the best parts of the night. Yeah, I have to agree with you. That's exactly what I thought. I thought the moment of the night was the moment where Charlotte and Asuka actually wrestled and <laughs> did what I tuned in for. And it was great. But again, that had something that I just thought flowed through the whole night in the sense that there was always something that came along to taint the moment or to tarnish the moment and not in an attractive way, not in a way that made me excited. Like I know we had a great chat about SmackDown uh, just gone and everything that happened made me want to watch it next week. And I understood why it happened. It, it made sense. They didn't rush stories. I'm really excited to see how that whole Jeff Hardy angle spills over onto the next show. Whereas with this, it just seemed a very... Very hodgepodge, very clunky, some really rushed storytelling, some stuff that didn't make sense. And every moment, everything that I think we've discussed tonight had a bit of a, huh, kind of angle to it. The ends, for some reason, just didn't work. Like the KO versus Apollo thing at the beginning, it was like, all right, they're doing this because they respect each other. All right, you know, it's a, it's a gentleman's wrestling sport, whatever, fine, I can get on board with that. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a tag team. Same with Charlotte and Asuka. It was going so well, and then all of a sudden, it went sideways. There was just a bit of a, a running theme of randomness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I'm, I, Raw left me confused this week, but amid the chaos, Joe, who would you say your MVP of the night was? Happened. Ah, nice. I see what you did there. For me, it's going to go to Oscar just because she's spinning so many plates and doing it well. You know, she's got this angle with Nia Jax and she also played against Charlotte Flair on the same night, working with Nia Jax on that storyline, cutting a promo on Charlotte and actually facing up Charlotte in the ring. To spread yourself that thin and to be able to do it effectively whilst maintaining your character in an entertaining way, which we all know and love, I thought proved assault tonight i thought it was a good show from her how about you yeah i'd have to go with asuka as well because she saved the show for me i'd say mm. so her little her little performances during the interview her match against charlotte like i said before 
it just has to be Asuka because of, you know, having the ability to save the show. Absolutely. And I think one thing that she's done really well and that people can take note from is her ability to have a fun character, a lighthearted character, uh, but deliver it with sincerity and believability and still get over that idea that, you know what, I'm tough in the ring and I'm good at what I'm doing and I'm, you know, I'm a deserved champion, more so than perhaps some of the stars. A bit like Velveteen Dream does actually down in NXT. Like, if you look at his gimmick, it could be an absolute car crash, but he does it so well, you know, he executes it perfectly to a point that you still believe that this is a tough guy who could be a champion. And Oscar um, demonstrated how to do that beautifully tonight. And like you say, I think it kind of saved the night for me. But we've spoken about like how random it was and how there was always something to taint it. And I think that makes our predictions for next week even more difficult. I mean, where are you going to start with that? I'm not sure, to be honest, but I, I believe that KO's going to get his hands on Garza somehow. Or mm-hmm. him and Apollo are going to interfere in the match against Andrade and Garza. Then I believe that Naya is going to somehow again interfere into either a promo or an, uh, a match that Asuka has. Charlotte joins the fray and it turns out into an all-out brawl. Leading to probably a triple threat for Backlash. I don't know. But... Yeah, those are my predictions for the following week. Interesting, interesting, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be a singles match. I genuinely think it's going to be Nia versus Asuka at Backlash. Although saying that, Charlotte's not on the card yet, but she is on the card for NXT TakeOver. So I, but I know they're really keen to, to put her over at the moment and have her included on everything, it seems. So yeah, maybe a triple threat isn't the worst call. Actually, I can I can see that happening. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to get a Nia um, Oscar build again next week. I think we probably will see Alexa Bliss versus Peyton Royce. I think that's on the cards. Bearing in mind that Nikki Cross played face Billy Kay. I'd like to see Edge on the show next week. He's done amazingly to come back. And having uh, watched the documentary, if you haven't, you really should. I know that him and Beth Phoenix's time is really torn between their home and um, looking after their kids and being on the road and being able to do WWE and they're back and forth all the time. So I get why he's not on camera and on the show as much, but as a fan who wants to, you know, who wants to see the best wrestling match ever, I'd love to edge on the show next week to reply to Andy. Andy? <laughs> Randy. To, to reply to Randy Orton. Who's uh, Andy, I anticipate Jim? that. Oh. Yeah, Who's Andy Orton. Randy's lesser known younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like like you said, it would be interesting to see if we see a bit more of Dominic now that he's in the fray of that match. And that leaves us with the Mysterio storyline. What do you think is going to happen there? I think that Mysterio is going to show up next week and he's going to settle it in the ring with Rollins or one of his guys. And obviously there's going to be some dirty play by the three of them. But I believe Dominic's not going to be far waiting to help his dad. So it'd be really interesting to see if Dominic gets his debut match at Backlash. Really? Dominic and Seth Rollins? I, I still, it's got to be, it's got to be Ray and Seth still for Backlash. Do you know what I think might be cool? Probably will not happen, but I think it would be awesome. Is if Dominic shows up to defend his dad and does something despicable to Seth Rollins and then you know Ray's like hey why'd you do that you know we you know we don't treat people like that you know very fatherly and then maybe Seth gets in Dominic's ear and Dominic actually ends up betraying his father I think that would be a really cool angle it won't happen because WWE is too wholesome but it would be awesome no that would I'd pay money for that that would be interesting to watch I say we'd love to hear your predictions as well. So if you think you know what's going to happen next week or you've got a really cool idea, we would love to hear it. So make sure you hit us up in the comments below. Yeah, for sure. You can always reach out, give in your thoughts, ask your questions on Twitter at the real wrestle dude. And always feel free to let us know if you have any crazy predictions you'd like us to talk about. 
Absolutely. And that wraps it up from us. Um, we'll be back this coming weekend for a review of SmackDown. Um, my name's Joe. Thank you very much for joining us. I've been Shozy. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Real Wrestle Dude, on Instagram, at The WrestleGram, and subscribe to us on YouTube, The Wrestling Dude. And make sure you listen to all our other episodes available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other podcast streaming websites. We are everywhere. We're absolutely everywhere. Wherever you look, it's us. Absolutely. We are in every corner of the internet. I heard they're doing WrestleCast wallpaper now. That is a good idea. We are going to. (laughs) I'm spending a lot of time at home. I'd like some. (laughs) Let's make it happen. For sure. If you're down for some WrestleCast wallpaper, let us know on Twitter. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us, guys. I've loved it. And until next time.